Mega Monster Dumb Man, Episode 1, Skulk. Welcome to the podcast that we are perhaps unwisely calling Mega Monster Dumb Man. I'm Chris from Mega Dumbcast. And I'm James from Monster Man. And we have joined together, we have, we have combined our podcast powers uh, to come up with this, a mini-series in which James will pitch me some monsters from classic monster books, which is his purview on his podcast, and I will at least take a swing at offering some ideas about how to adapt those monsters to trench coat horror, which is what I've been talking about on Mega Dumbcast lately, what with Beyond the Supernatural in Season 3 and my patron-only series, World of Dumbness, colon, fuck, Mary slay, where I've been talking about classic Vampire the Masquerade. So there's a lot of monsters to choose from in the world of classic fantasy, and I wanted to make sure that we got something that we could use for this project. Uh, so I started out with uh, 1983's Monster Manual 2, which has an index of, of every monster in the three big monster books for first edition AD&D. And it's a totally arbitrary choice. I could have gone with a different edition, but, you know, I happen to have it. And uh, there's about 1,300 monsters uh, all told. Thirteen hundred. Yeah, so something like that. It's uh, it's you know, it's like five, six pages of uh, of four columns of of alphabet. I mean, a lot of them are very kind of like bird, comma yellow, bird, comma green. You know, so I skip <laughs> oh, yes. those. The comma family of monsters. Uh, yes, there are a lot of comma monsters. But so, and I just, I just uh, did this by rolling dice. So I, you know, I rolled a d six to determine the page, and then a d four to determine the column, and then percentile dice to determine the location within the column, and then. I just eliminated every monster that couldn't wear a trench coat or a cool leather jacket that was too close to so like something that already existed in kind of the trench coat horror genre. So like no vampires, no werewolves, nothing like that. And then anything that couldn't be like the, well, I don't know about the protagonist, but they couldn't be like a character uh, on, you know, like a CW show or similar. So nothing that was just an animal or just a plant or uh, even just like a skeleton or whatever. We, we do have a skeleton, but he's a bit unique. So I tried to I tried to eliminate both the impossible ones, like the gelatinous cube, and the like two easy ones. So for example, uh, I think it's the fiend folio contains the cat lord, who is a sexy brooding jewel thief, and I, I felt like you know this was not worth the efforts of like the dream team of RPG overthinking <laughs> podcasters. Right, he doesn't need our help. The cat yeah. lord needs nothing from he's us. He's fine. He's fine the way he is. So yeah, so um, and this this has resulted in a list of six monsters, and the one that we're going to start with today is the Skulk. Uh, now the Skulk first appeared in 1981's Fiendfolio, and uh, I was really pleased that the Skulk came up because of its curious illustration, which uh, uh, of course you can't see in this recording, but um, uh, it's it's got a it's got an expression that I don't know, like how would you describe uh, the expression <laughs> of the Skulk? You know, it, while I have World of Darkness on the brain, it reminds me very much of the uh, illustrations we get at the beginning of the old Vampire Clan books, mm -hmm. where it is sort of like a lot of them are bald, like this skulk is, uh, or have very little hair, and it's sort of a uh, pouty, mournful uh, expression, like if ennui were like a mating display, mm -hmm. that, that's sort of the look here, but there's also something a little bit saintly about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this isn't that podcast, but... Um, 
Like, I'm not going to say I, I would or wouldn't fuck this guy. I mean, the brick coloration is kind of a... I don't know if that's a, a, a point against him, but... Uh, so Skulks... It, it, the thing is that once you get past the Skulks blending in with the wall behind him appearance, there are some issues with their personalities. Hmm. And I, I think if we're going to bring them into a modern setting, this may be the area that needs the most work, but I'm interested to hear what you think. Because we're told that they were once members of the human race with tendencies to extreme cowardice. And as they became kind of more and more cowardly and isolated, they gained this stealth ability to like change their coloration. And they're almost impossible to spot if they're motionless. The idea that they're like such fraidy cats that they can become invisible is kind of the center of the skulk's suite of powers. So what uh, when 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 the skulk turned up on the list, what was your impression of it? What was the first response here? It's perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's perfect for adaptation. At first, I thought maybe too perfect. At first, I thought maybe this is going to be like a vampire or a werewolf where it's, you know, it's too easy. But this extreme cowardice thing, there is something uh, like karmic about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm really looking for from these characters is like a level of tragedy and like a a karmic sort of flaw is good for tragedy. I feel like the Skulk's cowardice is a fatal flaw, but it's also, you know, it's also sympathetic in a certain sense, like who can't relate to fear. So um, I'm totally behind the Skulk. I do have questions about this. Do you interpret Mm -hmm. this to mean that this is like an individual human who suffers extreme cowardice and therefore sort of like Gollum becomes obsessed with the ring, like sort of becomes a biological coward or is this a case where it's like a subspecies and there's this kind of like Lamarckian evolution where they, they become so obsessed with cowardice that they just like force themselves to evolve into chameleons? I feel like we're intended to understand that this is a, uh, a like a subspecies of humans who have developed this chameleon ability because they appear in packs. Like if you look at the skulk entry, we see that the number appearing is 1d8. So like mm. little teams of skulks might go traveling around together. So you're not going to see like, oh, the village coward you know, turns into a skulk, even though I feel like maybe that's the more compelling story. Like, Mm. cowardice as an individual trait is, you know, more rewarding to explore because you could have, like, a skulk character who was trying to find their courage. Whereas, like, ugh, these skulks are all cowards is less intriguing. That's an episode of the X-Files, isn't it? That the descendants of Spanish conquistadors evolve the ability to change their coloration like chameleons. I feel like maybe that is a thing. And also there's an episode of Buffy where there's like a teenage girl who's uh, such a loner that she becomes actually invisible. Right. Yes. Because of quantum mechanics. Yeah. Right, right, right. Of course. Yes. <laughs> well, what else? <laughs> um, naturally, the, the Fiend Folio is very focused on like how this makes them like these great thieves and assassins, you know, like, they have great stealth. They like spring out behind you and stab you and that everybody hates them because they're such cowards and they in turn despise ordinary humans for looking down on them which i thought was quite interesting and kind of like a like a hunchback of notre dame kind of a a resentful feel to them there yeah this is really good for teenage flavored misanthropy which i think is very world of darkness like there's there's the power fantasy element and then there's the element of i hate everybody but it's because i'm cooler than them Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have done wrong to me by, you know, whatever, looking at me, <laughs> uh, you know, judging me, not wanting to go to the dance with me, whatever it is. And the Skulk totally captures that. It's like, yeah, they are hated and they hate everybody else. It's very World of Darkness. How how do you feel about the cowardice thing? Because so, one of the first things that, that I thought was if this is going to get adapted into a, you know, a, a, a more tragic monster something may need to be done about the idea that they're all like total cowards unless you want to have like 
player character examples of the skulks are sort of the brave ones who are kind of rebelling against their... Because after a while, I Run Away gets old as a bit. Yeah. I mean, they ambush too. Mm -hmm. But I like the idea that individuals can become so cowardly that they sort of fall in with the skulks. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it is the case that the player characters are relatively new skulks. There's like a community of them, and those are mostly NPCs. And then the player characters are people who have become so cowardly or so fearful that they kind of like spontaneously develop these abilities and become grafted onto skulk society mm -hmm. like they run out to the outskirts of town or whatever and are adopted by the skulks and then a central tension of the game is between the fear that is pulling you to become sort of a permanent fixture of skulk society versus your desire to maybe like overcome your fear and rejoin humanity mm -hmm. so that like fear becomes a tangible thing in the rules and in the the theme of the game your fear is something that's a constant force trying to pull you one way and you're trying to pull the other. I think that's the most interesting way to do it. And that way, like, stealth and running away are powers that you have, hmm. but they're also something you're trying not to sort of be seduced by in a way. Like, the ability to run and hide, you don't want that to become your go-to in every situation. Yeah, because you never get anything done that way. Yeah. And that is the kind of fundamental conflict that's in all of these kind of you-become-the-monster things, right? So, like, I have this power with which I could solve my problem by getting away, but, you know, ultimately I'm not going to be able to keep running away from my problems and particularly i think because it's such like invisibility is such a common power fantasy right it's mm -hmm. just kind of that what you know what would you do if nobody could see you and so you might get that thing in the first couple of sessions where the players are like well i'm gonna go and you know take revenge on all the people who are mean to me or i'm gonna go and you know rob a bank or you know whatever and then you get into you know whatever your overriding conflict for the skulks is yeah i like the idea of, of the power fantasy of invisibility in conflict with this fundamental problem of fear with them. Mm -hmm. uh, like, maybe there could even be sort of like a visibility versus invisibility dial so that mm -hmm. you're like first indulging in the power fantasy and turning it all the way to invisibility, but then that starts to cause you problems of its own. The very lack of visibility catalyzes the conflict that you put the characters into, and so that power fantasy then becomes uh, conflicted. I, you always got to have that cool element, and I think it is it is cool and fun to be invisible. There's no denying it. Mm -hmm. And, and it's interesting because, I mean, that was my read, too, when I looked at the skull, because I was like, oh, well, th these guys are portrayed as these wretched outcasts. But actually, you know, the, the text at the same time seems to think that they're pretty great. <laughs> yeah. And you could definitely, you know, even if you don't have Skulk player characters, you can always have, like, you know, whenever your, your rivals decide to send some assassin after you or whatever, well, they send a Skulk, right? Because they're, I mean, they're, they're invisible all the time to be perfect for that kind of thing yeah yeah and that would actually be a really cool twist on the like stealthy assassin trope character mm -hmm. to have a character who is like dangerously sneaky and stealthy but also it's not just a tactic they hate to be seen mm -hmm. and so that's potentially a weapon that can be used against them right it's both a power and a vulnerability which again goes back to the kind of i mean that's a core you are the monster's idea yeah, very much so. And then, like, the idea of, like, a secret world, too. I think the Skulk community will be interesting to build, which I would probably put, like, I, I think it would be fun to have the Skulks exist somewhere where there are also people, but they go unnoticed. So, like, if you want to have, like, kind of a crapsack modern world, which is standard for trench coat horror, I would do, like, maybe a, um, like, a ruined industrial zone, like a place with a lot of abandoned warehouses and plants and stuff, mm -hmm. and then have Skulk society be this sort of, like, secret subsidy within the city where they all hang out in, like, the wrecked remains of the industrial district, the, the factory area of town. 
out of normal human sight. You know, people don't need to go there so they can kind of have their own little secret world. Right. And it plays on that metaphor, again, like the other metaphor of invisibility, which is that, you know, there are these people in crisis. There's this side to our society that we treat as though it were invisible. Mm -hmm. So I feel like these guys fit in. I mean, I think they fit pretty well into any kind of modern horror or urban fantasy kind of setting. I mean, I think the Skulks actually arguably serve that purpose better than they do just kind of like leaning up against the wall of a dungeon or whatever and looking like bricks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're a hundred times a better fit for something like Beyond the Supernatural than half of the things that are in the Beyond the Supernatural book. <laughs> Very much so. All right, uh, is there anything else we want to cover on this? I think I think the skulk is uh no I mean I think we I think we've got the skulk we've got we've got what's uh, what's cool about it which is that it can turn invisible um we've got what's tragic about it which is that it's a you know an an outcast from society uh it's got a simple achievable visual effect right I I think we've got this one oh one more random idea as we're closing out it would be a cool twist on genre convention if skulks wear trench coats to make themselves more visible. Like, oh, nice. Unlike, you know, the thing or the Ninja Turtles or whatever, typically they, you know, conceal their appearance. Skulks are more visible if they're wearing like big bulky clothes. And so like that's that's why it's your going out among the humans outfit. Right. Because they're physically invisible. It's like and it's an invisible man type of type of yeah. deal. Yes. And so the, the, the thing that symbolizes invisibility for the rest of us actually uh, symbolizes visibility for a skulk. Very nice. This has been Mega Monster Dumb Man. Listen to me, Chris, on Megadumbcast at megadumbcast.podbean.com and get access to Fuck, Mary Slay, my patrons-only series about Vampire the Masquerade, at patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Listen to James on his D&D monster podcast, Monster Man, at monsterman.libson.com and support him at patreon.com slash monsterman for access to his patron deities podcast series, among other rewards. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Unto Death by Prescription Pills, whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash prescription pills. Thanks for listening. <laughs>